His offense was not against you. Have you forgotten the laws upon which Narnia was built? Do not cite the deep magic to me, witch. I was there when it was written. Then you'll remember well that every traitor belongs to me. His blood is my property. Try and take him then. Do you really think that mere force will deny me my right? Aslan knows that unless I have blood as the law demands, all of Narnia will be overturned and perish in fire and water. That boy will die on the stone table. As is tradition. You dare not refuse me. Enough. I'll talk with you alone. She has renounced her claim on the son of Adam's blood. How do I know your promise will be kept? During our last series, when we talked about living on the outside, what lives inside... What I, what I really wanted us to do was to, to face and begin to overcome the challenges uh, that are holding us back from the spiritual lives that God, the true spiritual lives that God has called us to live. And I wanted to talk about that in the last series leading up to this series and what God can do in our lives individually and what he can do in the lives of, this, of the people of this church as a whole. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 29 and 30, it says this. There are three things that walk with stately stride. No four that strut about. A lion, king of the animals, who won't turn aside for anything. Vernon Howard wrote this. I love it. A truly strong person does not need the approval of others any more than a lion needs the approval of sheep. If I were to ask you this morning... If you were to describe, describe for me the Christianity in the 21st century, would you describe it as a group of people who were more like lions or like lambs? Those of us in the, I'm talking about American Christians. I'm going to deal with American Christians. If you were to describe Christians in the 21st century, would you describe them more like lions or more like lambs? See, we're continuing the series that we're in right now, which is stretch marks. Stretch marks are a sign of strength and endurance. Our God, our Father, does not want us to settle in. He does not want us to be 
comfortable, just live in a comfortable existence. That's not what he's called us to do. He doesn't want us to be comfortable in our in our spiritual journey, in our spiritual walk. He wants us to stretch our faith. God wants to unleash the church. He wants to unleash us, us on the world. But that's never going to happen. He's not going to be able to unleash us until he stretches us. That's what this series is all about. It's about stretching our faith. It's about living a life completely and utterly sold out to him. When I look out here this morning at this congregation, I see my brothers and sisters in Christ. I see men and women. I see students and I see children with staggering potential, staggering potential. But we live in a culture, we live in a Christian culture that has, that has tamed us, if you will, created a mediocrity in our hearts. Uh, we, it's turned us into a lukewarm group of people who seem to care more about tradition than transformation. We come into church, we kind of do our church thing, and then we leave. And, and we think, well, I've been there, so that counts, and so I've done my thing. I've done what's important, I guess. We care more about tradition than we do transformation. But Christianity started out as a movement of change. It was a movement by Jesus Christ to change people's lives, to change the culture, to change a stagnant, mediocre religion to change the weak into the strong, literally to change the dead into the living. That was what Christianity was all about. We, as a church, the church in the past was on the cutting edge of the arts and the sciences. On the cutting edge of social reform, we were the warriors, we were the rebels. But over the past 2,000 years, something has happened, something has changed. And I don't think it's changed for the better. In the third Rocky movie, Rocky is going up against a man who is powerful and determined, Clubber Lang. And Clubber Lang insults Rocky because Mick is kind of dodging him. And so Clubber Lang finds Rocky, you know, up on that, up in Philadelphia. They have his statue and he starts insulting Rocky and he, and he insults Rocky's wife, Adrian. And so Rocky says, I'll fight you anytime, anywhere. But Mick doesn't want Rocky to fight Clubber Lang. Clover Lang is hungry. He's aggressive. Clover Lang is determined. He's a warrior. And this is the reason Mick gives for not wanting Rocky to fight him. He says, now three years ago, you were supernatural. You was hard and you was nasty and you had a cast iron jaw. But then something happened to you. The worst thing happened to you that could happen to any fighter. You got civilized. You got civilized. And, and Mick knew that Rocky in his state where he was wearing his mink coat and kind of walking around and waving and doing his thing was no match for Clubber Lang. You got civilized. My friends, Christianity has gone from a, a, a movement of passion to being passive. We become passive. We've moved from renegades from people who are who are standing up for Jesus Christ, renegades to conformists. We become comfortable. We have all we as a most of us. Let me say most people in in America in Christianity have become comfortable. Look at Jesus was a rebel. 
Jesus was a rebel. People try to paint him as, oh, this is flowery guy who never really did anything. Never, never, never frustrated anyone. And he just got along with everyone. Jesus Christ was a rebel. He stood up to the the politics of the time, to the religion of the time. If you read your Bible, they were constantly picking up stones to stone him. Why? Because he stood up for what was right. That didn't matter what anyone else said, what anyone else did, what the what the political structure was at the time, what the religious structure was at the time. Jesus was a rebel and we are to follow his lead in the upcoming Star Wars movie rogue one there's a, a new character a female character she's the lead and the rebel alliance comes to her and and confronts her because of the her actions in the past and here here's her response to what what they say to her she says this is a rebellion isn't it i rebel this is a rebellion. I rebel. That's her attitude. That's the attitude that we need to have. Last week, we talked about the, the, the African Impala. And we said the African Impala can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet across. Things incredible, incredible. Athleticism, just jumping all over the place. But when they put them in a zoo, they can put an African Impala who can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet across behind a three-foot fence. And it just stays there. Because an African Impala won't jump where it can't see. If it can't see, it won't jump. Doesn't know what's on the other side. I looked up an African lion. I thought, I wonder how far African lions can jump. And African lions can jump basically as far or farther than an, an Impala. But they're about the same. So I was thinking to myself, I wonder why they don't put the lion behind the three-foot fence. See, the Impala, when he's behind the three-foot fence, he's thinking... Gee, I'm not really sure I want to try to jump over there. I don't know what's on the other side. If I can't see where I'm jumping, I don't want to jump over there because I'm not sure what's over on that side. I can't see it where my hooves are going to land. So I'm just going to stay put, stay right where I am. The lion, on the other hand, is basically thinking this. I don't really care what's on the other side of that three-foot fence. And when I jump over it and get there, I don't care what's over there because what's over there can't handle me when I get on the other side of this fence. That's his attitude. You can't handle me when I get there. There's nothing that's going to stand in my way. Remember what the Bible said. Talking about that the, the lion will not be moved, will not turn aside. So the attitude of the lion, they put lines behind big fences and they have moats, you know, giant moats around the whole thing. Or it's behind glass about yo thick. They don't put them behind the three foot wall because lions have an attitude. And the attitude is when I get over there, you can't handle me anyway. So I don't care when my paws hit the ground. It doesn't matter what's on the other side. It leaps. It steps out. The lion won't turn away from anything. See, Predators are bold. And we're talking about this morning. We're fighting for the heart of our king. We are, we are fighting for the lives of others. When you are fighting from the, for the kingdom of God, you need to be like that predator. You need to be bold. You have to have that kind of, you need to have the attitude of a predator. You need to be stepping out and saying, it doesn't matter if God calls me to do it. I'm going to jump over and I'm going to land on the other side. And whatever's on the other side can't handle me because of who lives in me. That is the attitude that we have to have. We have to have the attitude of a lion. I had the misfortune, I guess, in 2011 to um, get in a a confrontation with a 100-pound Akita. And Akita is... 
a Japanese war dog. And the Akita was killing, mauling uh, a young lady. And I had to step in and protect her and save her life. And as I went into that, I can tell you this. At no point in that confrontation did I feel like the prey. At all times, I felt like the predator and the dog was the prey. The dog was killing someone, was going to try to kill someone who I cared about. And so at a certain point in that confrontation, I was standing there and I was trying to do everything I could. I was kind of taught to do. And at some one point, I was bleeding in different areas. My body bit me through the thigh, bit me in the hand a couple of times. And finally, I said, enough. I'm, I'm finished with you. And my brother, years ago, someone asked me this in the first service. How would you know what to do? My brother taught me what to do. He said, if a large dog ever attacks you, take away its primary weapon. And so I allowed him, he stood back, and when he was about to leap again and and come at me with his teeth, I stuck my left arm out and gave him my left arm. I let him clamp down on it. It was like a clamp. I thought he broke my arm when he bit me. But when he bit me and I gave him my arm, my next move was to grab him by the neck. And two things were going to happen at that point. I either snapped his neck if he held on to my arm, or he let go and I'd have him on his back. And so I knocked him on his back. I got on top of him, took my left arm, put it in his collar and choked him until he was unconscious. See, in times like that, when you're protecting someone, when you're saving someone, you have to be passive. I mean, you have to be passionate. You have to be aggressive when you're saving someone. And so I'm asking the question this morning, what is the difference? Is there any difference when you're when you're standing up for when when you're passionate about leading someone to a relationship with Christ, when you're saving someone person who is eternally not in a relationship with Christ? Shouldn't we have that same passion and that same boldness and that same aggression in our hearts when we're thinking about someone who's spending eternity without Christ? Shouldn't we have that same passion and that boldness and that aggression? We're talking about taking care of and saving orphans and widows and people who are in sex trafficking. Shouldn't we have that same passion to invest in their lives to save them from the life that they're living now? Shouldn't we be that aggressive? That's what Jesus did. Jesus stood up for those who couldn't defend themselves. He didn't sit back. He wasn't passive and just let things happen. And we have that same, we should have that same attitude in our hearts. We should have that same attitude. I'll tell you what, it is really sad the way Christians behave in the 21st century. We were created to rule. We were created to lead, not to go along with the crowd. Not to go, not to follow or cower from culture. It kills me to watch some of you younger ones now. Your attitudes about social things, all the social issues that are coming up. You kind of seem to go, many of you go right along with it. Why? Because someone's going to call you names if you don't. Oh, gee, we wouldn't want that to happen. Someone to call you names. What does the word of God say about all these different social issues? That's what matters. You stand up for the word of God. You were created to rule. You were created to lead, not to cower and to follow culture. And that's the attitude that so many believers have right now. And that's something that needs to be changed. I want to ask you parents, what are you teaching your kids to become in your homes? What are you what are you training your kids to become lions or lambs? What kind of environment are you creating creating for your children in your own life? How you live your life? When Jen was in high school, I knew she could sing really well. And I said to her, I want you to do one of two things for me. 
I expect this to happen in the next year. I want you to do this. I want you to either go. And she was still in high school. I said, I want you to go to try out for a Broadway musical or I want you to go to Florida and go to Disney Disney World and try out for one of the shows at Disney World. I said, you know, honestly, not because you're not talented and gifted and you don't have the voice. You probably won't make it. You probably won't get chosen because there's people who just live for that stuff. I mean, they, that's all they do. You know, they, they go to the restaurant, they serve, and then they run over and next, 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 and they get to know people. And it's kind of who you know in a lot of things. And plus, these are really talented people and they're older. I said, it doesn't matter if you make it or not. Just go and do it. Stand up in front of those judges and let them judge you. Stand on that line. Have that experience. What are we teaching our children? What atmosphere do we create in our home? Is it one of fear? One of fear? Never taking any risk. Don't take any risk. You don't want your kids taking any risk. You want to make sure you, everything is under, under control. Is that the way you're doing it? Or are you helping train out the next generation of giant killers who live by faith? And not by sight. That's the question we need to ask ourselves as parents. Are we training up the next generation of giant killers who are not afraid to jump over the three foot wall? You can train your kids to be afraid of the wall. You don't know what's on the other side. Don't go there. Don't do that. Why would you do that? You have no idea what's going to happen. And we wonder why our children walk away from the church when they get to college. I don't wonder. I don't wonder at all. We create an atmosphere of playing it safe. Our students don't want to play it safe. They want to live for God with all their hearts. They want to know that it's real and they want to see others living out their faith as well. Someone that they can follow. Let me tell you something. Okay. Jesus didn't come to earth to start a club. He came to start a revolution. Theologically, Jesus came to earth to pick a fight. Simple as that with the enemy. He came to this earth, okay, to love people and to show mercy and to show grace. But ultimately what he came for was to pick a fight with the enemy. He came to fight the enemy to set us free. He came to enemy and he gave his life so that we could be set free and that we could be warriors for him. He gave his life for us. He gave us life for our freedom. And now when he came here and he died and he rose again, now that lion heart, because he rose from the grave, lives in me, lives in you. That passion, that boldness, that, that strength, that power flows through your veins. This isn't, these aren't words that I'm just kind of conjuring up and throwing out there. This is theological truth. The lion of Judah, that lion heart lives in us, his church. Jesus said, I'm going to go to the Father. When I go to the Father, you will do, you will do greater things than you've seen me do. What? That's incredible. That he says to his body, if you will be a lion, if you will step forward, if you will not live in fear, you'll do greater things than you've seen me do. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have, I'm going to put it up here, but I want to read you the whole passage. This is what it says. I have been crucified with Christ. Listen, the, theology here. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I lived in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for me. Not that I could sit back and live a mediocre, lame, tame life. 
but that I could live a life of power because he lives in me. His Holy Spirit lives in me. In 1 John 4, 4, it says this. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And we cower back like somehow we're overwhelmed by what's coming at us. Is it hard? Yeah, it's hard. Is it difficult? to? He- yes, it's difficult. When you're in a spiritual battle, when you're fighting for the lives of others, not just their physical lives, but their spiritual lives, when you make noise, you're going to attract attention. So, yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, it's going to be a struggle. But with all the power that burns in our hearts, we need to move forward. We need to fulfill our purpose. And we need to live out and become the warriors that God has created us to be. See, when a church... When a church lives this way, it's difficult for the leadership of the church to find places for the people to serve because they're all stepping up and saying, no, I want to serve. I want to live for Christ. I give me a place. Any, I don't care what it is. Give me a place to serve. There are people stepping up and saying, I want to teach and I want a disciple. Give me someone to disciple. Give me someone to invest in. Give me someone to mentor. We have people reaching out to their friends and their neighbors and their relatives and their coworkers and inviting them to church. I'm going to challenge you this morning. I want you to think about Who are you going to invite next week to church or the week after? Who are you going to invite? You know, I think sometimes, thank God, the person who invited me, Patty, had the courage to invite someone who most people would never think would enter into a church. Thank God she had the boldness to say, hey, you want to come with me? The only reason I went to church was to get her out of, I thought, when she was in a cult or something. She was too happy. Her life was changed too much. I thought she was in some kind of cult, and I went there with my friend to get her out. Found out, no. Her life was transformed by the Holy Spirit of God. And thank God that she had the boldness to invite me, because if not, I would not be standing up here this morning. God used her in a powerful way. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says this, Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. I love this passage in Proverbs 28 and verse 1. It says this, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. That needs to be the truth in our lives. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them. But the godly are as bold as lions. I jump over and I say, it doesn't matter who's on this side. They cannot handle me. The lion will turn away from nothing. It will stand its ground and it will stand and fight. And if we are going to fight this battle with any hope of winning, okay, I take that back. If we're going to fight this battle with an expectation, which we should have, In our lives right now, if we're going to fight this battle for the lives of others with the expectation of winning, then we need to put aside this tame, civilized Christianity that we live in today and fight with all the strength and all the passion and all the sacrifice that we've been given. Because it's going to take that in order to overcome the enemy. And you may be thinking right now, wait a second, aren't we supposed to follow the example of Jesus? And I come to church and Jesus is a warm and friendly and loving and compassionate and kind 
and gracious and all those words that we want. Absolutely, every one of them is true, but he's not that way toward the enemy. When he's defending his people, when he's defending those who cannot defend themselves, when he's defending those, when he's defending people from a Christless eternity, when he's defending orphans and widows, when he's defending people who've been harmed or abused in some way, that's not how he treats the enemy. Jesus Christ knows how to handle the enemy. I love, I love this clip from the Passion of the Christ where Satan tries to pull on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before Jesus was going to go to the cross. He was struggling. Jesus, what Jesus understood what was going to be happening when he went to the cross. And Satan tries to pull on Jesus when he thinks when Jesus is in a point of weakness, which he's not. Jesus tries to pull on, Satan tries to pull on Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he pulled on the first Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And here's what happened. Revelation 5, 5 calls Jesus the Lion of Judah. He is called the Lion of Judah. His love, his compassion, his boldness, his grace, his mercy led him to the cross, led him into the battle. Is Jesus all those things? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. And those things led him to the cross. It led him right into the heart of the battle. That is the example that Jesus Christ has set for us. See, serving Jesus Christ comes with a price. It comes at a price. If you're going to follow Jesus Christ, if you're going to serve Jesus Christ, if, then it's going to lead to the cross, a life of sacrifice for every single one of us. I know this is this kind of stuff's not preached very much anymore, but when you follow Jesus Christ, you're actually following him. And where are you following him? If you're following Jesus, you're following him to the cross. In, in, in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, it says this. Then he said to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. The Christianity of Jesus Christ is not some docile, domesticated, comfortable, civilized existence. It's so much more than that. It's so, it is so much more than that. And the person who told you otherwise lied. If you were tricked into some other form of whatever, oh, you come to know the Lord, it, everything's going to go well for you, everything's going to be fine, you're never going to have any problems anymore. Romans 8.17 says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if we indeed share in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Jesus did not call us from a life of difficulty. He called us from a life without meaning and purpose, and there's a big difference. Jesus never called us from a life of difficulty. And let me explain something to you. Even if you've never been to church before in your life, and this is the first morning you've ever been to church, you know exactly what I'm saying. You know this is true. Whether you go to church or don't go to church, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you're going to face challenges and difficulties in life. You're going to face suffering. You're going to have relationship issues. You're going to have all kinds of things go on in your life. The only difference is when you have Christ in your life, you can, he can help you walk through it or carry you through it if necessary. 
The other thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ, and this is what the Bible's laying out, is you're also in a spiritual war. When you're standing up for the defenseless, when you're helping orphans and widows and people are being trafficked, when you're trying to lead people into a relationship with Christ, you're making noise, you're going to attract attention, and you're going to also be in a much more challenging spiritual battle. But Jesus never lied about the dangers that we might face, about the cost that we might incur as being followers of his. As a matter of fact, he warned us in in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 16, it says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. What that means is there's a time for peace and there's a time for war. Depending on the circumstances, I am sending you out there. I want you to be like me, not to harm anyone. Not, we're not talking about physically harming anyone. But Jesus said, I'm, gonna send, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. So he says, oh, just be a doormat. Take a beating. Don't stand up for yourself. Go cower in a corner. They're wolves. What are you going to do? No, he says there's a time for peace. And sometimes there's a time for war, a spiritual war. That's why so many people in this country are confused. And they say, God, why am I not healthy? And why am I not wealthy? And why am I not happy all the time? And why am I not secure? And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus never promised that you would be all the time. He didn't promise that everyone was going to be happy and healthy and wealthy and, and, and secure. and all. He didn't promise those things. That is not the gospel that Jesus Christ preached. But he did promise contentment in the midst of our struggle. Jesus promised us contentment in the midst of our struggle. In Philippians 4, 12 and 13, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. He says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. The Christianity of Jesus Christ is a life filled with mystery, uncertainty, challenges, risk, adventure. I'm ch- listen, you students, children, students, listen to me. Listen to me. That's the Christianity of Jesus Christ. It is filled with the unknown. Jumping over that three foot wall and not knowing exactly what's there. Scaling the mountain and trying to figure out what's on the other side. It's standing with Jesus Christ and living for Jesus Christ and defending the defenseless as Jesus Christ gives you the power to do it. There's a Christian saying, let me kind of keep backing up what I'm saying here. There's a Christian saying that goes something like this. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. People have heard that, right? Safest place to be is in the center of God's will. And so we misunderstand that. I, don't, I think the person, that whoever said it first, I don't think they meant exactly how other Christians are taking it. The safest place to be is in the center of God's will. So the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is, safe from what? I say safe from a life of mediocrity. Safe from a life of boredom. Safe from a life of, of, of just... Ugh, just wipe it off, man. Take a shower. You know what I'm saying? That, like a, a, way, a waste, a life without meaning, a life without... I'm safe from living a meaningless life. I am safe from living a life without purpose. I am safe from living a bold and dynamic life. For, I'm safe from all those things. But let me, let me ask you a question, okay? Um, God, let me make a statement first. God's, God's will, God's will is not that you're comfortable, but that you're contributing. God's will is not about safety, Okay, 
It's about sacrifice. God's will is not about security. It's about significance. It's about me stepping back as Jeff Greer and all of you and knowing who we are in Christ and what we've been called to do. That is the Christianity of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was in the center of God's will and they chopped his head off. Stephen was in the center of God's will, right? They stoned him to death. Jesus Christ was in the center of the Father's will and they crucified him. I don't think I need to go on. Erwin McManus wrote this. God created you so that your life would count, not so that you could count the days of your life. So that your life would count. There are so many people who have lived a hundred years, but have never actually lived. They've existed for a hundred years. And there are others who have lived a shorter period of time, but they have truly lived their lives for Jesus Christ. And now they're in eternity with him. The Christianity of Jesus Christ is a life of radical servanthood. God calls us to live and to go wherever he wants us to go. That is what we've been called to do. So this morning is really a call to step up. It really is to step out, to step out of your comfort zone. I'm asking you to follow the Lord to the, into the unknown. I'm asking you to follow him over the three foot wall, regardless of what's on the other side. And to do what God has called you to do. God calls us as a church to take risks, to be innovative, to be creative, to think outside of the box, to, to, to believe without limitations to move, listen to me, to move before we have all the answers all laid out. See, we won't lose our children when they go off to college. If this is the kind of Christianity we live, but we certainly will if we live some mediocre Christian life. See, we are not, as believers, called to be herded into a building and to be entertained or to be bored to tears. We were not called as followers of Jesus Christ to be coming, to come into a building so you can be entertained and leave here going, I was, oh man, I was, that was entertaining. I am not. I love you. You know that I love you guys with all my heart. I, I don't care if I'm entertaining. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to, I'm here to feed you spiritual food and to protect you from spiritual harm. And try my best to help each one of you become the person that God created you to be. We were not called to be herded into buildings and entertained or to be put to sleep. See, the enemy wants you to play it safe. He wants you to be conservative. He wants just, just, just be conservative. He wants you to walk by light. He wants you to walk by, by sight and not by faith. He wants you to walk by sight and not by... Why would you go over that wall if you don't know what's on the other side? It's just, no, it's not, let's calm down. He wants you to be an impala. Because if you're an impala, if you're a little lamb who's afraid to go over the wall, then you are powerless. You have been rendered powerless. You're still going to heaven, but you know what? He doesn't bother with you anymore because you are living a powerless life. But God wants us to be like the Lion of Judah. God wants us to follow in the footsteps of men and women of unorthodox faith. He wants to follow. He wants us to follow in the footsteps of men, a man who built an ark waiting for the rain, a boy who picked up a stone to face and fight a giant, a man who stood alone and by faith called down fire from heaven, a woman who was willing to face a king to save her people and said, and if I die, I die. 
and a man who was willing to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt. Rather than enjoy the spoils of royalty. He could have had it. He could have had everything the world were going to offer. But Moses did the opposite. Why? Because he was willing to follow God wherever God would call him to go. So God has a question. God has a question for every single one of us this morning. And I wish I could live every, look every single person in the eye this morning. Here's God's question to every single one of us. Are you woman enough? Are you woman enough? Are you man enough to follow me? That's the question that Jesus is asking. Are you woman enough or are you man enough to follow after me, to follow where I lead? Nothing truly great will happen in your life if you constantly live a life without risk. Nothing great's going to happen. You'll live and then you'll die. You lay on your deathbed wondering, woulda, shoulda, coulda, why didn't I stand up? Why didn't I speak out? Why didn't I defend? Why didn't I, why didn't I, why didn't I, why didn't I? God wants to lead us to a place that will challenge the boundaries of our imagination and stretch the limits of our faith. He calls us to be warriors of light in dark and hostile places. He, he calls us to a place where people are measured not by their Christian jargon and by their catchphrases, but by their hearts and through their actions. That's the, that's the followers that Jesus Christ has called us to be. That's where we need to be. That's how we need to live. I'm asking, listen to me, I am not asking you this morning. I am not asking anyone here. We live in America and it's never going to happen, most likely anyway. I am not asking anyone to die for their faith this morning. What I'm asking you to do is to live for it. I'm asking you what Romans says, to offer up your bodies as living sacrifices. I no longer live, but Christ, Jesus Christ lives in me. To offer up your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, for this is our spiritual act of worship. And not to be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. Stop. Stop cowering. But being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then and only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life, what God's purpose is for your life, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That is what I'm asking this morning. I'm asking you to get into the fight. I'm asking you to pick a place of ministry within the church and get engaged. To sacrifice, I don't care, financial sacrifice, physical sacrifice, give of yourselves, get in the battle. Call a pastor, call a staff person this week, call the church office, 754-0333, ask for Adele, ask Adele to give you any of our numbers and say, I need to be, I need, I need to be engaged in some area of ministry. Calling the pastors, call any of the staff people and get engaged. Maybe some of you need to follow me to Nigeria this March. I'm going to Nigeria. You need to go to Nigeria with me. See what's going on over there. Let's impact this world. Like, let, let's, let's do things that, that people go, you've got to be kidding. How did you possibly pull that off in Nigeria? I'm saying pick a ministry, man. Pick up a sword and get in the battle. Get in, get in the battle. Because here's the deal. If we stand together, if we fight together, if we serve together, if we move forward together, if we climb that three-foot wall together, nothing 
will be able to stand against us when we get on the other side. Nothing will be able to handle us on the other side if we do it together. That is the Christianity of Jesus Christ. That is the Christianity of Jesus Christ. It's what keeps students in the church. It's what fires people up. It's what brings people to Christ. It's what changes the neighborhood. It's what changes the nation. It's what changes the world. That is the Christianity of Jesus Christ. So the only question you have to ask yourself that's left to ask this morning, for you to ask yourself, am I, am I a lion or am I a lamb? That's the question. Am I a lion or am I a lamb? Am I woman enough to follow him? Am I man enough to follow him? Anyone can raise their hand and click their heels together and come and say, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a follower. I'm, I'm talking about something totally different. I'm talking about some Christians here this morning who've been sitting around and just kind of doing their thing and in and out and, you know, mediocrity, not living, not truly living for him. I want you to bow your heads with me. For some of you, that's what you need to do. You need to step out. You need to step up. You need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to shake loose from the, the, the mediocrity. You need to shake that whatever is off. You need to shake it off you. Whatever is on you, shake it off and get into the battle. Get into the fight. But before, for some of you, before you can pick a fight, before you can pick up your sword, you need to decide to follow the leader. You need to take a step of faith. You need to confess your sin. Jesus Christ came to earth to save us from our sin and bring us back into a right relationship with God the Father. 1 John 1, 9 says, If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive me my sin and purify me from all unrighteousness. You need to ask him. Before you can pick up your sword, you need to ask him to come into your heart. You need a lion of Judah in your heart. You need that boldness and that strength and that power flowing through your veins. You need to be adopted into the family. Romans 10, 9 says, If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. If you're ready to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, if you're ready to ask the line of Judah to come into your heart and live with you and through you, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me as we close. Just pray it to yourself. Father, I know I'm a sinner. I don't need the pastor to tell me that. I know I make mistakes. I've made mistakes in the past, a whole lot of them. But I know I need you. And I ask Jesus Christ to come into my heart. I ask the Lion of Judah to come into my heart. Please, Father, fill me with your spirit. Show me what my gifts are. Show me what my talents are. Show me what my purpose is. Help me to understand the meaning of this life. Give me the strength. Give me the boldness to live for you. If you prayed that prayer this morning, that simple prayer, and you meant it in your heart, the Bible says the old has gone, the new has come. You are a new creation. Your sin is separated from you as far as the east is from the west. You are in Christ. Your life is now hidden with him. Your old self has died. And the new self is alive. He came to pick a fight for you. And now it's time for us, all of us, to live for him. 
If you prayed that prayer this morning, I just want you to just, if you prayed it for the first time, just raise your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, but raise your hand up. Raise it up. Awesome. Awesome. Father God, thank you for this time we can spend together. Thank you for the power of your resurrection. Father, I pray that every single person here would leave this place, especially those who have given their lives to you for the first time. I pray, dear God, that you protect them, you surround them, you defend them as the enemy will try to disrupt, Lord, what you're doing in their lives. But I pray that you would help us leave here, every single one of us, with that, with that aggressive, bold, passionate attitude to leave this place, to reach out to our friends and neighbors and co-workers, Lord, and have the boldness and courage to lead them into a relationship with you. To defend the defenseless. To stand up for those in school who are being picked on, maybe sitting by themselves, that you would help us stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves. That we would help orphans and widows, that we would help those who are struggling, Lord God, and maybe being trafficked in some way. That we would have the courage and the boldness as a church to get engaged in the fight at whatever level that may be in a Sunday school class or whatever level that may be, Lord God, that you would use us in a powerful way. We pray these things in the name of the Lion of Judah, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go get them.